0: Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm real happy to be doing the intro to this one. This is a special episode, one that we've been waiting for. We have the Gamma Edge folks for you guys. And uh, I'm talking to you all as the market is tanking um, off of CPI after that initial draw up. And what's fun about that is that this is something that we actually talked about that the Gamma Edge folks, uh, Paul and Taylor um, and John who's there in absentia. Uh, we're referring to, we're expecting, Um, and so it's so beautiful to be able to be watching this happen after they predicted it. Um, Oh yeah, as always, uh, my name is John Kirby, my co-host is Vic. Um, In this particular episode, the charting credits are not going to Auk, but rather to Gamma Edge themselves. Um, Yeah, we hope you guys enjoy this. I love how they're able to break down all these concepts in a completely different, but completely intelligible way. Um, so, yeah, I hope everybody enjoys it. Um, like, share, subscribe, etc. cetera. Um, yeah, enjoy. How did Gamma Edge get started? What is it that you guys are trying to do? Just for everybody that's not familiar with the platform, Vic and I have had the privilege of being on there for a couple of weeks to get a feel for other charts <coughs> and everything, but for people who don't know already.
1: Yeah, I, I can start, Paul, and then you can come in with the specifics. But yeah, I mean, it really started as a couple guys bored at home during COVID quarantine. Uh, we got together in a random discord group Um, for you guys that are familiar with the videos so we kind of have the tick model and we have our gamma stuff I was kind of looking at gamma stuff tick was or Paul was looking at the tick stuff and we were like you know if we combine this stuff it may be may be kind of powerful and so we started going down the gamma the gamma road a lot because you know the tick kind of is what it is Um, we knew about that and Paul and myself, you know, we're not we're not people to kind of take things at face value. We really like to dig in and understand the the nuances of what's going on. And we we really wanted to understand, okay, how is this stuff actionable? Cause you know, at, at the time, gamma, gamma this, gamma the, this is a big level, this is a big level, but it's like, okay, that's nice. But how do we make money for this? And we weren't satisfied with the answer that we were getting. And so really we spent 2021, Literally waking up at four or five in the morning downloading I don't know, hundreds and thousands over the course of your option chains from brokers that would let us do it and getting busted out our pivot tables, color coding stuff. And then um and that same uh Discord, um our third founder, John, back in uh, developer, he was able to kind of create all the visualizations that um y'all see for those that are in the uh and did Discord server, and yeah, and from there, really, the mission of of Gamma Gamma Edge is we all know that Gamma is significant. We know the options market is very significant these days, and it's really visualizing the option, visualizing the delta impact, and how we can make money from it at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, and if, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's so cool that you guys can do that. Vic and I, we often talk about these, um, like, understanding options. It's like this four dimensional. Uh, or multi-dimensional picture that's really hard to understand just from the just from the numbers sorry I didn't mean to interrupt uh, if you want to say something too Paul
1: oh yeah just kind of going off of that point like you said you know gamma and options and delta it can't be four-dimensional and try and sound spooky and really analysis paralysis right but we really try to boil it down to what is important what is not important don't get me wrong we have a ton of information that those people that love that stuff they can get lost in the sauce and 3D surface models and all that stuff that that we um, produce. But really, we just try to produce actual levels every day and hopefully make a little bit of money at the same time.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to get into those later. Uh, Paul, should I uh, should I open up this PowerPoint and uh, we should start uh, moving on to this uh, quad witching that's coming up?
2: Yeah, I think that yeah that's fine. And I'll just add a little bit of color to what what Taylor said. So. Our our third uh, founder uh, John he was in this other Discord with us and uh, he he had reached out to me independently and he's a he was looking at Can Slim and stuff like that so we we started collaborating kind of behind the scenes of you know this that and the other thing and he he basically just immediately was able to throw things together and um, so I think you know if you do come into the Discord. And and you see like what Taylor said, you know all his his visualizations. The guy is uh, is he, he's got a PhD in machine learning, and he's just pretty darn darn sharp on this. And plus he's uh, he's now a beginning trader himself. Uh, he's compelled to take these trades and and do them himself. And for us, that's that just brings a smile to our faces because uh, you know here we're we're taking somebody who who's interested in it, but now he's he's actually you know, becoming successful with it. So that's, that's kind of the, you know, the the takeaway that really, I think is the genesis of this. How do we help somebody who is overwhelmed by a whole bunch of information and, and help them distill it down to, you know, the brass tacks and, uh, and make money. And it's really about the levels. You guys have seen it. I know in, in Bear Trap, Uh, You see us bounce back and forth between these different levels, and that's really what we're focused on is identifying those levels and and, taking actions based on that. And that's what we can talk about as we go through some of these slides. No, that's perfect.
0: And I think people will see as well um, how ingenious it is to be able to put these things into a visual format. Um, So I think it's really cool that you guys put this together. All right, let me get um, this PowerPoint open here. Uh, and here's a slideshow. Can you guys see it in slideshow mode like this? Yep. Okay, yep. great.
3: Yep.
1: All good.
0: Um, fine print, sure. And um, all right, you guys, this is your summary for uh, December 11th.
3: I got a quick question, not to interrupt before you do this, but uh, just when you first start out within like an OPEC cycle, I know you might get to this, but I want to know kind of like, what's your beginning thoughts before you put stuff down onto the... Onto the PowerPoint. What are you guys thinking about?
1: So you, Paul.
2: I, I think know it's a lot, but well, you know, to a certain extent, that's that top line there, right? You know, any truthful data can be tortured to tell the story you want to hear. And I think when Taylor and I start, we're trying to not do that, right? So whether it's OPEX coming up, or it's just, you know, the middle of the cycle, wherever we are in ER, or, you know, earnings reports and stuff like that, just try to be as objective as you possibly can. Um, it, we all have our biases. And so when, you know, we were talking about doing this, I wanted to to approach this, what do we have in front of us? So if I'm a new trader, and I'm, I'm new to TA, I'm new to gamma and delta and, you know, all the things like that, how do I start? How do I just go? So, you know, I think it's a great question because at the end of the day, the more you practice looking at this, I know Taylor and I, every day we're going through these charts and it doesn't really change the week of OPEX versus, you know, a week after OPEX. It's what are we looking at? Does the thesis change, or, you know? Does our our position change? And you'll see that on the next couple of slides. So, hopefully, that'll be helpful for you know the new trader or the experienced trader. And uh, this will give you just another tool in your quiver there, or tool in your toolbox to to move forward. Taylor, any any thoughts?
1: Yeah, Vic, to echo what Paul said, I don't treat any day more important than any other day. I basically wake up, look at what the data is telling me. If something important is happening, it will show up in the data, show up in the chart, show up in the visualization. At the end of the day, what I care about is the levels that we produce and where price is relative to those at the open and how and if it interacts with it during during the session. So,
0: yeah, no, that that makes perfect sense, and I've 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 seen so many times where, for instance, we will have something like a news catalyst, and then the levels will come back to bite, right? and be even more important than the news catalyst even was. Um, so I think that these levels are so, so important for that reason. Um,
1: yeah, it's funny you say that. Like, we we can't predict news events. We can't predict how prices specifically are going to act on a single piece of data that, that's released. But it's funny you say that, because we do see these levels uh, tested time and time again um, when those events happen. So if it's a coincidence or not, I don't know. But... Um, it,
2: I, I don't like think it. So. so. I, I don't yeah. think it's a coincidence.
0: <laughs> I don't think <laughs> it is either. It doesn't
3: feel like <laughs> one now, but it did
2: at first. <laughs> if at it, first if it were a coincidence, you'd be flipping a coin and saying, okay, you know, whatever. We, we could do better than flipping a coin here. So.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, so so we're trying to get this data to speak to us uh, without... Uh, it, um, expressing our own views through it. And so you guys, it's, it looks like you're splitting it up into TA and then you guys also have various different models that you're using.
2: Yeah, so I i, I think just stepping back holistically, we want to know kind of what is going on, um, you know, in the big picture. So as you, you know, you've got highlighted here, the 16th is quadruple witching, right? And that's a big deal, right? So that's something that's going on this week and people should know about it because Dealer positioning around that is really, really important, and that's really the genesis of why you trade options, why we trade options, and why we're, you know, we're trying to understand this better. I think, you know, in that framework of getting that, you know, that awareness of what's going on this week, I didn't, you know, put on on here, but of course Wednesday, what do we have? We have FOMC and and um, uh, uh, CPI data, right? And we know those are volatile events, no question. So. That situational awareness of this week, what that means, and then couple it with the other news things uh, of Wednesday, gives you kind of, okay, you know maybe this week's going to be a little more tumultuous. At, at the end of the day, I think Taylor and I, you know just say, okay, we're aware of it. We know those are going to be big days, but what does that mean in context? And the rest of it's it's here, right? From you look at the ta, uh, we we don't get heavy into ta. We're not. Uh, and, and we're not knocking any TA. Um, you'll see on some of the Gamma Edge charts, uh, not the ones tonight, but if you come into the Discord, um, we do have simple moving averages, you know, the 50, the 21. Um, we we keep track of that uh, because the market keeps track of that. Um, we keep track of the TA that that the market keeps track of. And we have several traders in. Uh, in the group who follow FIB and, you know, do their, their own, uh, you know, cloud analysis and things like that, which is great, you know, bring your, your flavor of what works for you to the table. And I think that's the beauty of just this whole understanding the dealer action uh, reaction thing. You can make it work with most of your systems. And I think that's, that's, you know, what you guys preach at, um, uh, you know, in your discord and, and what we have, have in ours. So, you know, knowing situationally what's going on, knowing the TA, and then we get into some of the unique stuff for us. And this is where Taylor and I, every morning, um, you know, we we talk about what's the market model telling us. And our market model is based upon this uh, review of what we call the cumulative tick. And it's new to a lot of people. Um, And that, yeah, exactly right here. And depending on the type of trader you are, you could be a long-term trader, you know, like a position or a swing. Or you could be a short-term trader. We have a number of folks who are flat at the end of the day. Uh, they they go home with you know nothing but cash in their accounts and they're happy. So you can look at this chart right here and you can see that bolded white line and and the slope of that line tells you effectively what what's happening in the overall market, the cumulative tick and and uh, the tick for those who are not familiar with uh, that thing is is. Every time a, a trade transacts, doesn't matter the size, uh, if it ends on a, um, if it chances are, if it was bought, it, was, it, it ticks up. And if it was sold, it ticks down. And so when you accumulate that, these are one minute bars here. When you accumulate that, you get the presentation that's in front of you. And then you can throw some moving averages on there to give you kind of a history. So Taylor and I watch this and, and it, it helps you stay on the right side of the market Generally, for the time frame that you're trying to, uh, you know, trying to trade, and so we use it as an entry tool. We use it as an exit tool, uh, and we use it as, you know, how to add to the positions. What's the market sentiment? So, you know, in in the big picture, we we start off, what's the market model telling us? So, if you go back a couple slides to that that original summary, yeah. So. You've got the short term, which is that white moving moving average that we just saw. Intermediate is are we above or are we below that nice colorful ribbon that was in the middle? Those are the long term moving averages, and then that one on the bottom where it says reset cash short. You know, the bias for us now, because we're below it, is to sell the rips and buy the dips. Now, yeah, we went up today, no question, uh, but in general, that long term model will. You know, it's 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 a very good model to keep you out of trouble and allow you just to you know shorten your time horizon so that you're focused on shorter trades if that thing is moving up and down, up and down. And we've been, as you guys know, it's been a buzzsaw on the markets. So, you know, yeah, today, and I focus on that part.
0: No, today, I mean, today was rough to trade for that reason, too, even though we did end up going up. And I saw that you actually wrote, Paul, I think, in your morning update, you know, uh, despite having this long-term model, you're still noting that, hey, today was likely to be an up day. And you you wrote that before market open, I think, today. So it's not um, – it seems like you guys are really focusing on the uh, you know, analysis per time horizon um, in that way.
1: Yeah, and no, the last thing I'll say about this, too, is – Yes, the, the tick is important, but there's also depending on what kind of trader you are. Like Paul said, just because the ticks the ticks trending down, the setup for the day could still be slightly biased higher. That's really where we're all traders. We have to take our, our own interpretation of what the market is telling us. So, just to, just to Paul's point, um, yeah, that this isn't the the end all be all, but it's certainly there. There is something for everyone. And for those out there today, if you're concerned, for instance, that the market ripped higher, this model is designed more or less to help you catch the meat of the move. Everyone, everyone says, you know, the hardest part is the beginning and the end of the move. And so this model, it does allow you the, the opportunity to try and catch the very first move. We do have a signal for that. That's also the most volatile signal. And if you're not bolted to your chair during the screen eight hours a day and you're trying to trade that signal, it it can be it can be very tough. So so um, yeah, like I was like Paul said, short, intermediate, long term there is a little bit for 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 everyone here.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great way to put it. I, I, I did have a question with Tick, which is I think I understand um, why you guys think this is so important. But for people who may not be as familiar, um, is this would you guys call this like a market breadth indicator or or why were you guys so convinced that this was the um, something to incorporate into your into your model?
2: Um, so I've been using this. I, I developed this, you know, this flavor of what you see uh, over 10 years ago. Um, so, um, I think the just the success of keeping me on the right side of the trade uh, has been great. So I think that that's probably the first part. Um, when I showed it to to Taylor and some of the others, you know, I and Taylor, you know, pick it up here, but I think the light bulb went off, and I'll pass the baton to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that that Discord that me and Paul originally met in it was a can slam focused. Um, trading style for those that aren't familiar, Can Slam is like investors, business daily, William o'neill looking for those, you know, gross stocks that are breaking out and have like really good earnings, really good sales. And one of the key factors is in, which is market. And that's saying, what is the market doing? Is the market generally in an uptrend or generally in a downtrend? Because if you're in the best stock with the best fundamentals and the market is going down, well, that stock is not gonna be able to buck the trend that long before it fade meets it and it it starts heading lower. So what made it for me is like the cumulative tick is kind of like literally, as Paul was saying, you know, it's upticks and downticks accumulated together. It's literally like, what is the market doing? And so for me, that was, um, I mean, kind of similar moving averages and whatnot, but it kind of feels almost more um, real time to me of kind of what is the market doing? And we we, we have another model too, the tick um, U.S. That's typically the first one that I um reviewing the videos we, we have this filter on it too which kind of filters out for only big orders like plus and minus a thousand kind of everyone's consensus is those are meaningful ticks so ticks up and down so kind of combining that with what is on average the cumulative tick doing plus do we have significant buying and selling which we kind of think is kind of are the big boys big girls institutions playing in the move as well so kind of um confluence of, of those two things is is pretty is pretty um powerful
2: yep
0: that, that makes a lot of sense. Do you guys want to, me to move on to the next slide? Sure.
2: So one of the questions came in over the weekend um, about the uh, about the moneyness and about the deltas. and um, I, I wanted to to help address that. and And effectively, what this was about is we get a lot of questions about. You know what's expiring, and what's it mean and 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 all of that. so what what this is is one of the things that we believe is that sequencing matters. and and just kind of stepping back before we dive into the meat of this thing, um, one of the key things about gamma analysis or delta analysis and, and understanding the dealers is that, for a lot of people, um, this is kind of the, you know, your eyes are getting open to to something new here. Um, when you open a call or, you know, a long call, that dealer, there is a dealer on the other side. There's, if you're not doing this with another person, um, much like you could with a stock or with an inventory, just because of the way options are, are transacted, there's a registered dealer in the middle. And that dealer has an obligation. So if they, if you, you know, buy a long call, they're short that call. And so, you know, the dealers are like Goldman and Citadel, et cetera, et cetera. And, and what's important about that is they don't want risk. And so if they're short that call that you opened, they have to buy underlying basically to, to effectively hedge flat. And so if you open a 50 Delta on the long side, They're short 50 delta, and now they've got to buy 50 delta of the underlying or correlated instrument. This is a big deal, right? Because as you start opening these deltas, things happen, right? They either are buying or they're selling. So if you're closing deltas, like a door slamming shut, there's a natural dealer response. So this chart, I think, starts, or this table starts looking at some of the impacts for this week. So what we did we we took the biggest instruments, the SPX. And and for those who are familiar with the SPX, it has two characteristics. First characteristics, it's cash settled. Now, what that means is that at the end of the day, if you transact in in the SPX, if you're profitable, you wake up tomorrow, you got more money in your account. And if you're not profitable, you wake up tomorrow, you have less money in your account. You don't get assigned anything. There's there isn't an SPX that you take possession of that's different than like the SPY the Qs IWM which are equity settled right if you're profitable and you hold across an expiry chances are you wake up the next day provided you've got enough money in your account you're going to be holding 100 shares of SPY right so that could be a lot of capital so this sets up two things that are really really important so the first thing is is that when you open these calls or you open these puts you're either going to be extremely long in delta as a as a complex or you're going to be extremely short and if you're long you're positive and you can see the SPX AM is and AM plus PM are both positive numbers there and then you can see spy, Q's and IWM are negative negative in the deltas and so this tells you when you look at these numbers when somebody whether it's gamma edge or some other other group out there is showing you what the delta notional is on these complexes and you see a positive number you immediately go call dominated you see a negative number immediately go put dominated why is that a big deal so without reading all the fine print down there the takeaway is this so we've got this week right we we know there's a lot going on this week we know Just based on the analysis that the SPX, which is cash settled, has got a lot of calls in it. And those calls are going away. If we're long, this is always from the trader's side of trader perspective. So the trader is long. Institutions are long calls right now. Long delta. Dealers are short delta. I close that. I'm getting shorter. I close my calls. I'm going from plus one limit down towards zero. Dealers are going from minus one towards zero. They're getting longer. When I close a call, it causes the dealer to have to sell because now they have to unload what they were hedged to. And that puts downward pressure on the markets. So latter this part of this week, one of one of the if-then scenarios, and, and we're very big on if this, then that. If we start seeing some of these come off earlier in the week, that's one thing. But if we don't see these coming off by watching OI, by watching the individual chains, we know that as we get further into the week, it's highly likely that we're going to see an event near the end of the week as the big boys and girls distribute these things out over time, right? They take what is expiring this week and they roll it out. So that's one thing. That's one if then. The other part is the, the negative stuff, right? The ones that are in the spy, the queues, and the IWM this is a little different. It's negative. It means it's put dominated. So it's put dominated on the trader side. So there's a preponderance this week of negative deltas coming off in the spy, the Qs, and the IWM. So I don't want to be assigned. So I'm actually going to close those in-the-money puts. So as I close those in-the-money puts, what happens? Well, now the dealer who's on the other side of that trade, right? So if I'm long a put, I'm I'm towards minus one on my deltas. The dealer is towards plus one. If I close, I'm getting longer, going from minus one towards zero. The dealer's going from plus one towards zero. The dealer has to buy to get back up. We now get a rally. So it's gonna be very interesting tomorrow to look at the OI change from today. And this is the assignment for folks. Look at the OI changes between the weekend and Monday. Monday to Tuesday, and start looking at the SPY, the Qs, and the IWM for this week. Because if we see that monetization, that explains the rally we have today, right? And I'm looking at the CT right now. The CT actually wasn't that strong today as things go. It, there was buying, no question. C-C-T not- CT team. being cumulative tick. Being the cumulative tick, yeah. But the takeaway in this is that for every reaction, every action on our side of the table, there's a dealer response on the other side of the table. And by watching the delta notional, and by the way, watching the gamma, but we're focused on the delta because the delta is what moves the market. That's the one thing that dealers are trying to hedge the risk out of. And you can see it right in these numbers. So we set up this contention and that's really the takeaway of what we had here. Sequencing this week will really matter. If we start seeing monetization throughout the week, because remember the SPY queues are all now dailies, right? So as we start seeing this monetization, some of these numbers come off, we could fuel a rise up, and then boom, we've got the SPXA, which we think is largely institutional money, that is monthlies, the AM settled are the monthlies in the SPX. We could see a lot of distribution going on, which will put downward pressure on the markets as we go into OPEX. I don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. But this is the if-then that Taylor and I focus on. When we see this, we want people to be aware of the potential setup and then take it to the next step. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to react to this? Knowing, of course, CPI and FOMC on Wednesday. Are you going to sit on your hands? That's not a bad thing to do. Are you going to play volatility? That's not a bad thing to do. Are you going to play a possible rise from the first few days of monetization and then possibly a fall in the last days? Entirely up to you and the type of trader you are.
0: I I think that that's a wonderful way to break it down. And something, honestly, that at least to me so far seems pretty unique to you guys is how you break down this SPX complex into the AM and PMs. And also just the way that that tells you um, who's on which side is wonderful. It's it's really good information. Um, One other thing I do have to add is I think you're totally right about what happened today. I was looking this morning and... Um, the uh, all the negative gamma was in SPY today. There was barely any in SPX. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what decayed to push us up. So um, l- let me put it this way. The, the the first part of this, the decay of those all those negative deltas here
2: has already started. Um, right. The other, other thing before we, we move on here, I just want to point out, if you go over on that SPX A line, you go over to the right there, mm-hmm. you look at that net notional gamma, for the SPXA. Now, this is the mothership, right? This is the biggest instrument in the liquid markets in the United States. Look at that notional gamma level starting this morning. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's a goose egg. The dealers were positioned over the weekend as flat as you could be in terms of gamma exposure relative to the overall delta exposure. There was no sensitivity. They do this all the time. We see these zeros all the time. And really, that's what Taylor and I, we call out the zeros. We call out these areas, these pockets, these levels, because we think they're hiding places. We think they're parking places. And we think, you know, you guys, us included, can identify those areas and, and you know, put some bets on the table better than throwing a dart at the wall and just seeing, do I get a ton 80? It's not this
3: at I'm going to interject there just for a bit because uh, the reason this is so good is because, yeah, it, the edge you have by following and understanding the dealer flow, uh, that's what we're all after. And, man, I love how you guys break this out by indice. I never even thought about doing that uh, like this. I mean, I kind of did it, but I did it on the gamma side only. Sure. And I just got into the delta side. In fact, John and I had a two-hour conversation just talking about the deal, the delta exposure charts that we never look at in Bear Trap. Everybody looks at the gamma charts only, and we're never looking at the delta charts. And uh, so we're we're pretty new to the delta side of things and trying to figure out, you know, where the dealers are positioned versus where their exposure is. And I think that's kind of what you guys are looking at here, is, right. is going look, you know, the dealers aren't exposed here, so. They don't got to do nothing, right? You're just going to sit there. So I
2: love and that. It's supposed to change, right? So that's what the gamma is, right? So the gamma is saying if the SPX goes up 30 points, does it go up in a non linear or convex type of approach? And the short answer is not until it gets up to much higher levels. And they aren't the levels that we were at starting this morning. So they went the weekend effectively neutral now they're still they've got delta exposure but it's linear delta exposure because the gamma is almost zero so
3: right uh yeah you got to put them together you have to use
0: them together so w- would it would it be fair to say that when we are in uh locations where our gamma is marginal um in other words they you know they don't have a convex exposure it's linear like you're saying, um, that. And at those moments, we need to look at the delta to interpret uh, what's going to happen or what's likely at, to happen.
2: I'll, I'll, you know, Taylor can throw his own flavor on this because we both do our own analysis in the morning for the Discord. I, I look at both. Um, I look at the zero DTE, the one DT. Now, that's not part of this presentation, but, you know, if we have time, we can call something up and, and we can go over a few of that. But Taylor, do you any any thoughts, any comments there? um yeah i mean really what
1: i'm looking at in the analysis i do is yeah where's the large gamma but then where is the um you know where is the delta where where where's the open interest as well where's the liquidity because even though the gamma may not be large at a level if it's still a very liquid strike meaning there's a lot of um open interest activity happening at that strike we see a lot of times that that price that price interacts with with that level too so it certainly is um nuanced it's not black and white kind of how everyone wishes it was it does take a little um just screen time as you say and just understanding reviewing it um just kind of yeah understanding kind of what the charts telling you and ultimately if price interacts with the level
0: or if it doesn't gotcha cool should we uh move on sure okay um okay this is these are the cool ones
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know if you can make this full screen. Uh, talk yeah, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do that again. Sure. Uh, if it's possible. This is Paul's baby. <laughs> it's not a baby, but uh, it, it it conveys a lot of information. Um, so th- these are, you can manipulate these once you're in the Discord, right? And I, you know, I would urge you guys to, to play with them. Um, you can see one of the axes is DTE, days to ex- expiration. So you're, you're effectively looking at um, kind of a, a sequence of time. And sequence matters here. Sequence matters. Everything is deterministic in options. Um, so you can see on the left side calls and on the right side puts. And uh, I've opened this particular one up for stripes all the way for the SPX Uh, because I wanted to really get the entire landscape. So kind of a short duration, I wanted to encapsulate, you know, the next two weeks. Um, And so the the SPX in our context, in Gamma Edge's context, is both the AM settled and the PM settled. So there's only one AM, obviously, it's this Friday. Um, And the PM is every day, of course. So one of the things that we're looking for, if you go right where it says ITM calls, and you see that leader kind of pointing right up there, right at the edge there, um, yeah, exactly. So that green on both of those means they're ITM, and uh, so when something's in the money, they're profitable. Deltas are tending towards if it's a call, it's tending towards plus one, and if it's on the uh, the other side, the put side, uh, deltas are tending towards minus one. Um, why that's important is that the boundary between the green and kind of that yellow or orangish area um, is the strike price, and when this chart was done, it's right—it's the third line in the middle of the page. There it says 39.4204. So, the middle boundary between the yellow and the in the green is is the uh, the boundary for you know the the as evaluated spot price. That matters. Moneyness matters, and so what these charts are looking at is they're looking at something called delta moneyness, and what we're trying to determine is where is the big money and what's the deltas associated with that money. And we know a couple things. We know that the further away from that boundary, deltas are gonna be at their limit. They're gonna be at plus one on the call side, or they're gonna be at minus one on the put side. That, that means, there's there's an implication here, that means there's no more delta hedging. So here on the left, where you see the calls, you see those strikes all the way down at 1,000, 1,500, their deltas are effectively plus one. There's no hedging going on, right? The dealers long time ago took care of that. There's nothing to be done. Now, as we move up the strike chain, um, you don't have the resolution in this plot, but if you narrow the strikes down to plus or minus 20% off a spot, you'll start seeing other things in the surface. And I know people have heard the word charm. Charm is that natural as time marches forward. If something doesn't have a, a delta of plus one, but it has a delta of say 0.6, 0.7, 0.8, as we march through time getting closer to expiry, charm flows on the call side will push basically upwards towards the limit, and that'll force the dealer to have to buy. Right? So we see. A call dominated charm structure, which you can view with these 3D plots looking, you know, the next few days in time, you get a real good sense of are there any charm flows available for the dealer to have to respond to. So in the absence of any monetization, what happens here is that, you know, if you're just kind of grinding through time, we've seen it, we've all seen it seen just kind of this natural undulation then we pin somewhere and we typically pin at a gamma level or or a pretty dominant liquidity level so i'm always looking at these 3d charts i'm looking not only where are the icebergs you know these big spikes um, but i'm also looking at where do we see these little undulations close to that boundary and are they starting to approach something where you know effectively the gamma level could be or excuse me the delta level could be limiting at expiry towards plus one. I don't see a lot of that here. I don't see a lot of it relative to what's going on in the wings. Uh, There is a lot of money that is profitable money that is set to expire or be be awarded to, because it's the SPX, it's cash settled, be awarded to those holders this week. That's a big deal. And so charm flows are probably non-existent. Relative to the landscape that we're in, and more importantly, some people have got to make some pretty big decisions this week. And this is this gets us back to what we were talking about, that positive delta and that moneyness or that that that, that large delta that we just saw on the previous slide. When that comes off, when these deltas come off, remember the dealers are already hedged now this goes away something's got to happen and we're going to see that either unwind through this week which will be downward pressure we think or it'll happen after expiry after settlement which will be partly friday because remember this stuff settles at the open on the spx a at the open on friday morning you'll have all day friday to adjust for whatever the volatility is go across the weekend Everyone's going to have margin calls and assignments and all sorts of stuff, and then you're going to see some panic most likely Monday, Tuesday, next week, and that volatility will continue. We didn't talk about it here, but I just want to add VIXpiration for the monthly is actually next Wednesday, not this Wednesday. That's not normal, and the fact that VIXpiration is actually next Wednesday means Tuesday of next week is the last trading day for the monthly VIX. Why is that a big deal? People use the VIX to hedge the SPX and vice versa. Now it's reversed. And we've seen, just and I, I put it in my, my morning notes this morning for everyone, go back in time, go back a few months where this has occurred in the past. And sometimes the market gets it wrong and we get really volatile. So there's a whole series of things setting up. But the takeaway for this, you've got a lot on the call side. It's already hedged. So there's no charm what happens when it comes off and the just your eye immediately can look at this and say aha there is a big imbalance here what i don't don't want to i don't want
3: to interrupt you here but i I just want to interject for just a second because i want to just how incredible it is that you can look out into the future and already start making some really really solid assumptions about what's to come and then what do you and then you have this roadmap, and you go well I expected X to happen and it didn't sort of like with this Vixpiration thing being on the four, you know, small expiration on the 14th and then the big one on the 22nd. I think a lot of people think it's on the 14th because it usually comes with FOMC, right?
2: And then the week of, it's usually the, you know, the Wednesday preceding the monthly, but yeah. this month, it's there's a few months of the year yeah. that it actually flips. And, so, uh,
3: so you know, look, being able to look ahead at these expiries and, and, being able to make some analysis and assumptions like this is so incredibly helpful uh, to how you can plan your trades around it.
2: We think
0: so. Yeah. So I had, just... i had a question too, actually, related to that because you um, all of the all of those VIX options are—I uh, think it's—I think it's twenty first, twenty second. Either way, they're uh, for next week. They're um, expiring there. Did you say, Paul, that? Um you think that the SPX has been used as a substitute for the VIX in this particular case because it was expiring at the right time relative to all these events?
2: Typically, yeah, I, I think that's it. And typically the VIX expires well it expires the Wednesday prior to the monthly. So this week, if this were a normal week, we'd normally see the VIX expire on, on Wednesday, last trading day being Tuesday. And then the SPX AM's last trading day's Thursday with the with the SPX settling at the open Friday morning and that only leaves the SPX PM to kind of carry the balancing and hedging weight of you know wherever they are for for uh, for the week so normally we see the VIX change hands as it rolls off and we see some hedging going on for the next 30 days as they roll those out. So they're, they're positioning, remember VIX is a forward-looking instrument, right? 23 to 37 days in the future. And so we, we, we tend to see that kind of leapfrogging as we go forward and vol play and stuff like that. You didn't, you're not gonna get that this week, right? So basically we're going into this week and there's no hedging adjustment afforded by the VIX. I mean, you can do the, the weeklies, but they're not, the volume is not nearly as big as the monthlies. It's next week. And so right in the middle of all of this, we we think VIXPiration next week could also add a, a little more uncertainty to the equation here. So it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. I mean, it's not a surefire, you know, place your bets on a, a, a vol expansion or a vol collapse, but it's not standard. And I just urge everyone to go back, go to the CBOE calendar. You can look this up yourself. You don't need us. Go to CBOE calendar, look it up, and just go check those those dates, and then go back and look at the volatility around those dates. Uh, you know, go look at, at the markets. And I think you'll, there you go. That's it right there.
0: Yep. Bam. I, I have this always on my desk, and the reason <laughs> I have it is because every single change of direction or crash is always around of expiration, um, or not every single one, but Uh, they tend to cluster around there. And that's why I'm actually like both illuminated and confused by what you're saying, because I was looking out at this 21st VIXPiration as, okay, we'll have some stability through these events that's afforded to us by that. But if what you're saying is right, and a lot of um, the hedges that are normally in the VIXPiration are concentrated on, you know, the 16th, this Friday, um, then that
2: changes that picture for me completely. I wouldn't say they're concentrated on the 16th. I I will say that the 14th, this Wednesday, would normally be the day that they rehedge for the next month or the next two months or whatever the case may be, but now they're delaying that a little bit, right? I mean yeah. they can still do it, but it's it, it we see that imbalance and so just something to be aware of, right? It's a non-standard. So you can see that little green half triangle there through the 21st, and if you go back in time, you can and you see the um, you know, on the 16th, it's kind of that orangish thing. You can go back and take a look. It looks like July had one. Um, looks like um, April had one. And it looks like January had
0: one. Yeah, the so-called five-week of expiration gap, window of
2: weakness. Um, yeah. Exactly. So something to pay attention to. And, and what you'll see is the redistribution of those hedges, uh, those volatility plays, uh, are are going to be shifted in time, and that I think that against the big money has a has a has a role to play. Remember, VIX is orthogonal. The only thing in common with the VIX and the SPX is that as as VIX goes up, you know typically SPX is coming down, and vice versa, right? Because it's a it's a measure of the demand of the at the money options there, and so those that inverse play gives you some comfort when you're trying to hedge your portfolio. Now the expir- expiries are not exactly in sync.
0: That makes a lot of sense. It's not as good as a hedge because it's almost operating like a calendar, right? Um, in other words, uh, yeah, I think I hope that that's clear for people. I'm not, uh, I don't know how to explain that better, to be honest. Um, cool. Let's let's keep going then. Um, sure. Here we go. Okay, so we've seen this. You've talked about the calls already. What about these uh, puts? Is there anything that we should be looking at here at the put delta money?
2: Oops, sorry about that. Uh, the short answer is is the fact that there's very little put dominance out there relative to the call dominance is significant, and that's all we'll we'll say about that. And and you know, at the end of the day, we've got far more calls that are either going to get monetized this week even when you net them against the puts, the calls are going to win the Delta slamming shut from plus one limit down to zero. It's going to create something. Now you'll see in some of the charts coming up, sometimes it's balanced. It's a nothing muffin. Mm. Sometimes it's not balanced. And when it's not balanced is when I think there's opportunity. And that's how we, we play with some of these charts. What
3: do you think about this and the Santa rally that I hear about coming up?
2: well, you know the Santa rallies. You know, um, it's not a guarantee, right? Um, we we may see something. Uh, we may not see something, right? If we're going to see a Santa rally, let let's step back and say what would be the conditions for a Santa rally? We'd want to have charm. We would want to have basically calls that were not maxed out in their deltas. We would want to, as we march through time, we'd want those calls to be a little bit further than our time frame, and so that the deltas and the convexity of that increases as we march through time. So day over day, as we get closer and start clanking down the DTE, basically deltas are going up, and that effectively results in a dealer response where they're having to buy the underlying. So let's let's just say that's one condition that is supportive of a melt up, which we have heard you know synonymous with Santa rally type thing, right? The other thing is 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 if you go back to the other other ice charts, there um, we want to see effectively uh, some fuel that uh, is on the put side, so that profitable people who banked well and and were able to monetize. Remember, these are equities. As they bank those puts, they're closing those puts, so they're getting longer, deals getting shorter, dealer has to respond by buying the underlying. There's your rally. So we would like to see the right side of these plots have more put dominance in the timeframe that we're looking at than have call dominance because calls that are in the money also are suggestive of being closed. And that's a downward pressure in dealer response. So we would want to see something maybe on Apple, for instance. Apple, just looking at it without looking at any hovering over the numbers or anything like that, is kind of the setup for a rally, kind of. And let's see, Amazon, perhaps a little more in there. Uh, not saying they're going to rally. I'm saying the setups are conducive that if those puts get monetized, it will put pressure on the dealers to respond accordingly in the timeframe that you're seeing here.
0: That that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and it's um, it's interesting. you guys. Oh, I guess I guess in this case it's just uh, alphabetical, right? That that these particular
2: charts are here. Yeah, I just grabbed them there. So in the Discord, our Discord, we have a a grouping called the liquidity stocks, and effectively we took the SPX and the Qs, and we took I don't know the top ten or so of each. And those, and we sorted by their weighting within the index, and then we just, we we automatically generate these charts for everybody so you don't have to bang them into the Discord. So um, you can just peruse those channels very quickly if you're doing your analysis. And, you know, I, I don't know how Taylor feels about it, but if you can't make money with the liquidity stocks and what you're seeing, then chasing, you know, some thinly traded stock is probably not in your best interest. I don't know, Taylor, anything to add there, bud?
1: Yeah, I mean, I only focus on SPY, Apple, Tesla, really. I mean, those are the big boys. That's all the eyes are. And from what I've seen, those are what um, obey the levels and whatnot next. So I try and keep it pretty simple than making it harder than it it needs to be. They
2: all pay money the same, right? (laughs) They all pay money the same. It all looks the same in the bank account.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just just related to that. but do you guys distinguish between so so for me personally, for instance, I, I when I look at spy um, these super liquid names, which have a lot, a lot of options volume relative to the overall notional traded in terms of the underlying per day. um, I'll look at gamma differently than like, let's say, I mean, these might all be in that category, but um, with stocks that are, uh, let's say that there, there are fewer options that are traded than the stock. Um, I'll look at the options more as a sentiment indicator and less as an indicator of, what, uh, of dealer pressure. Um, do you guys have a similar distinction or um, or not so much?
2: I think if if I'm understanding your, your observation, I think you and I actually talked on this also when we we, we were doing our one-on-one. I think the ratio... Of notional of the options to to the um, the underlying it plays a role there. so the more you know the more stock open interest and and volume of that open interest, the the more that it, the the price responds. and that makes sense because of our understanding or our assumed understanding of, of the dealer flow. Um, so I, I think you know the larger the stock and the larger the o i and the volume of that o i. Relative to the underlying, I think there's there's something there. We we have done. We we work closely with a, a company called Edgerator uh, for our back testing, and we have found that lower OI stocks um, don't statistically don't perform the same as high OI stocks and high, you know, relative ratio to the volume of the the underlying. So, you know, I I think there's a, there's a there there. And you want, you know, just stick with high volume, high OI, you know, in-demand stocks. And like I said, you know, like Taylor said, if we can't make money with those, you know, it's, it's chasing something that's small. You can still do it. But, you know, it, it, gamma and delta, uh, when there's very little dealer response, probably isn't going to be the edge that you're looking for.
0: Yeah, that, that makes sense. Okay, so we have a ton of these different ones. Are there any ones in particular that you wanted me to pull up? Um.
2: Well, a couple things have been catching my eye. If you go to where uh, Bank of America, BAC, it's a bank, of course.
0: (laughs) Um, Uh, Yeah, there we go. go. Yep.
2: And and you can see Bank of America is actually set up in a way that is kind of suggestive of potentially some monetization and potentially some move upwards. So you look at that and you'd say, hmm. That's interesting because banks in general, fintech, um, you know, XLF, ETF, the spider, it's not doing very well. Right? And that that's that's of interest. Uh, while we're here, take a look at CVX. That's energy. Right? So energy, puts on energy. You can see exactly right there. You can see that there's a lot of in-the-money puts with, with some serious delta uh, moneyness associated with it also. And so that You know, unless those people want to hold CVX or want to hold BAC, and these are puts, right? So unless they want to hold them short at those high levels, which is fine, it's just it's a different risk profile, um, they'll probably start monetizing. So you take a look at those. Now go down a a, a slide to let's look at JPM, for instance. Yeah, right there. Look at JPM. JPM is the number one stock in the XLF, meaning in, in weighting. Completely opposite in its structure. So JPM's just had a heck of a run. It went from below 115 up to where it is um, in, in here. So it's up in the 130s, somewhere in that zone. So it's had a heck of a run in a very very short period of time. And the takeaway here is that you can use this information to get an overall thesis of what you think an individual stock will do in a time frame that you think it's going to do it. So. I know a lot of people, uh, in, in damage, you know, took the JPM trade. It, it was awesome key levels. So uh, what we call our zero gex and our plus trans and, and, and we, we ride those levels to the next layer next level up, you know, adjusting our stops up and doing, doing whatever magic we do there. But this is telling me it might be time to take JPM off the table. And it it tells me that there's a monetization event pending a few days out from now. And so you want to be, you know, you don't want to be greedy, uh, but this is telling me there's a lot of profitable people and there's no counterbalance over on the put side. So, you know, when I look at these charts, I'm always looking to see, for instance, where, where's my thesis? So if I think financials are in trouble. I got two mixed signals here, right? I've got JPM, which is telling me it's run pretty far. I got BAC, which has been beat up. It's got a lot of puts there. You know, maybe it's time to take a flyer on these things, look at the market model and say, which direction do I think this thing's going to go? Well, if we're in a down market, if we're in a down market, XLF, which is the broad index is down or has been getting hammered, and JPM is the the largest one in the in the chain. Maybe JPM, maybe that's the trade I want to take, and and maybe put some puts on or something like that.
0: Something. So, like that. so since you're talking about it, I just figured I'd pull up the delta moneyness for XLF. Um, and here it's looking like broadly it's mixed, right? It's a mix of those two underlings. Uh, right. A little bit more on the call side over here, as we'd expect, which is consistent with that SPX uh, SPX picture that we have, right? Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, one thing to point out, the scales when you do these charts, the scales on the z axis that's the magnitude axis of you know how how big the spike is or how big it isn't. They're the same. We we re-ratio these so you can immediately look at the put and the call side and the gamma and get an immediate inference of what you're seeing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Probably. Yeah,
0: just just so that everybody at home can also see how this works, right? Um and uh, I can turn off this. I have this thing that basically makes my screen dark so we can see it even better. Um, yeah, that's really cool. That's really, really cool.
2: And so you can net those against each other, I guess, is what my point is, because that Z-axis, that vertical axis, you know, the one that says 50,000 on it, you can see that the magnitudes are not the same. And you can also look out the DTE. Sometimes when you plot these things out, 25 30 day 60 day dte you'll see different rows of spikes in different dtes and mentally you can net these things out and say where you know where do i have the balance or where do i have a shift so it allows you to form a thesis about monetization moneyness, and what you're thinking fear and greed means for the particular underlying that you're studying so you get to see where the where the traders are thinking and where they're sitting on their you know in their overall profitability or lack thereof
0: no that that makes perfect sense and i can compare these directly right i have my 20k right here for this particular expert i'm assuming it's the same one and it looks like it is um and then over here yeah 20 to 55 or so right um at least excel off you know just as an example
2: yeah
0: yeah very cool um so
2: i mean we use this I think you're right. It opens up the landscape for us and allows us to kind of see what what's out there and when it's out there, right? And and you know that can be can be beneficial.
0: I'm just looking to see um, what else what other toys you have for us today.
2: Oh wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what is the? you want to want to talk about this? You want me to?
1: yeah i'll give the overview um yeah so this is our we call it so this is uh one of our um power users we can call him jb he uh created we call this the fish pond map but essentially what it is it it's our gex ratio which is so it's taking a cumulative call ratio sorry cumulative gamma um, and cumulative negative gamma cumulative positive gamma cumulative negative gamma um and so you can kind of think of it as like a ratio of greater than one Meaning, there's more um, call game on the complex, less than one more put get, put um, game on the complex, and um, yeah, through through back testing, we um, have just found that uh, there are ideal spots of when you should be thinking, hey, this is an interesting spot to get long. Hey, this is an interesting spot to either get short and or um, potentially take take profits. Uh, the way I think about this, it's kind of more of a condition of the market. I guess you can think kind of overbought, oversold, if you will, versus necessarily a trade signal. I like to pair this with some other indicators if we're at an important level, kind of what the cumulative tick is telling us, and then also slapping on this um, kind of condition of what the market is in. Um, you know, are we heavily weighted to puts? Are we heavily weighted to calls? Um, so yeah, this is just kind of another uh, visualization tool that, that
0: we offer. So, okay, so so we're basically taking the 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 typical uh, call put rate uh, put call ratio and then just putting it in terms of put gex and call gex, and then that's you know uh, beginning of the day um, for for each of these tickers.
2: Effectively. Uh, we we think PCR is kind of limiting because one of the kind of backing up here a little bit, one of the levels that we do track, is something called COI or call open interest and POI, put open interest. And a lot of the other services do this too. And that just answers the question, what strike, if I were to take the complex, the option complex, and I were to flatten all of the expiries, so all I have are the strikes, and I add up or subtract all of the the puts and the calls, whether they're short or long, all that stuff, which strike has the most calls in it, COI, and which strike has the most puts in it, POI. The problem with that is in the process of doing that, which is exactly what put call ratio is, by the way. It's the Mm -hmm. ratio of POI POI to COI in that put call ratio. You lose all time. So if you study the SPX, and you look at the expiries of the SPX, you'll see the SPX goes out a long ways. And people put a lot of money a long ways away, but it counts towards the POI. Now, now people like TradingVile.net and others, you know, they shorten the horizon, which is fine. It's arbitrary, but it's fine as long as they stay with it. The problem with that is, is it doesn't give you a sense of this week or two weeks or five weeks. What does? Gex. Gamma ratio. Gex. By its nature, gamma is a shorter-term phenomenon. So we created the Gex ratio, and we've extensively tested uh, the Gex ratios, again, using our, our partnership with Edgerator. And what we have found is exactly what's in that third bullet. Um, if you want to just take a broad brush at rules, when you see 0.06, and you've, and you've hit a low, and you're coming back up, Um, that 0.6 is a nice place to get long. Not saying for anyone to do it, not recommendation, not a trading device, but that's a nice number to go long because chances are after you've bounded down into the reds that you see on the screen, you'll start moving your way upward. Same token, when you're in the greens and you're up around that 1.2, 1.3, 1.1 area, you can usually take the money off the table. You might even think after you peak out and start coming back down towards that 1.2 of getting short. And if you take a look at the bottom there, you can see where for many of these things, well, that's the daily change. But if you take a look at the 8 December line there, mm-hmm. a few days old, but you get the idea. You know, Some of these are, are getting into a position where it might make sense where you shouldn't be long these things anymore. And perhaps you want to want to be short. Why is it important? Gex ratio is the short-term measurement of basically bullish speculation to bear speculation. Mm. And when we see that number getting smaller with the puts in the denominator, it means that the bears are growing and, and that they're thinking shorter term we're going down. And we look for that. We look for prices going up still, but now the Gex ratio is starting to fall, that divergence again and almost always it resolves itself. It's hard to, to fool the market. So one of two things is gonna happen. The price is gonna come down to follow the Gex ratio or the, the market's gonna say, okay, our thesis is wrong and we're gonna go and we'll we'll see calls get added and you'll see that Gex ratio turn back up towards price. It's usually not that ladder. It's usually we're gonna come down and, and follow. And so it gives us an opportunity and that's what the balance of the slides are in this deck are just different perspectives on the liquidity stocks and you know what we're seeing go up and what we're seeing come down.
0: Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And it also kind of um, like between this and then the ice charts and the cumulative tick, it almost seems as if the way that you guys think is really a, a matter of bringing gamma to the entire market or reading the gamma of the entire market. Um, that's, that's wonderful.
1: It's a mosaic, you know, it's not any one uh, particular thing, you know, it's, it's interweaving the various tools and what they're telling us to craft um, through our lens kind of what, what we think.
0: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we've, that, that leaves us with a lot of tools, honestly, I wonder, I don't know if you guys have, uh, maybe we have another uh, 10, 15 minutes, something like that.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, we don't. Uh, I mean, there there are other tools that we have, and and you know, I think these are the the ones that can help people kind of understand the landscape and how to read the landscape. Um, a lot of folks in Gamma Edge, um, the market model helps tame them down. It teaches them patience. It taught me patience. Um, you don't enter when that cumulative you don't enter long when that cumulative tick is falling. that that white bolded line is coming down. You wait for it to stabilize. Right? let it let it work its way out. And you know as you, then you as it starts going up, you can start getting progressive exposure as it works in your favor. And if you can uh, that same power user who did the that gex ratio uh, chart that you saw there, j b, um, one of our our key guys for for users. Uh, he has some very definite rules on entering a new position. Like, like Taylor said, you know, you better be buckled into your seat because <laughs> you know, it's going to be a heck of a ride. But he uh, he takes his his own medicine. He follows his own own path there, and and he gets into the the CT when it does its its things, and he's he's been pretty successful at it. So I think there's a lot depending on the type of trader and the time frame. Time frame matters. Yeah. You know, when when we started this tonight, you know, you, you asked about the rise today, and I, I frankly, you know, just looking at the um, the cumulative tick today, it's it didn't even break higher than its high on Friday. So even though we went up today in in the markets, it's not met by what I would consider huge broad selling or broad buying. Right? It went up, uh, but it it didn't like. Go up. We we know what signature buying looks like in the markets. And Taylor, do do you see something that I I'm missing here? Uh, because I'm I'm not seeing anything that looks compelling to to jump in with both feet on the long side.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, like we always say, kind of the the cumulative tick cross of our shorter term moving average ribbon. Um, every rally has to start with that. That doesn't mean that. Every signal like that is going to lead to a rally. So, like we were saying earlier, very, very fickle signal right now, bolted to the chair. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And so I, will oh, go ahead.
0: No, I was just wondering how you guys. Um, so, so if, if you guys personally are sort of like longer term or shorter term traders, like, are you guys going to maintain any exposure through this uh, wicked week?
2: So I, I am long right now, uh, what am I long? I am long silver, I am, <laughs> which is okay. It's doing fine, uh, not great. I am long UNH, which has been getting beaten up, uh, but these are long-term holds. Uh, it's been getting beaten up recently. And I am long, uh, let's see what else, XLC, um, not, not doing all that uh, that positive right now. I may choose to get out of that trade. Um, let's see, what else am I long here?
0: Oh, wow. I had, I had looked at this XLC chart that looks uh, monstrous.
2: Yeah. Well, I, so, you know, I was thinking, um, you know, perhaps there was a Santa rally in there somewhere. Um, and, and from a TA perspective, it looked kind of interesting to me, but I think it's failing. So this is one of the things that, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you don't get a lot of exposure. I am looking, I see the VIX today, uh, was up quite a bit. I see the VVIX is up quite a bit. So I'm, I'm looking at that. And I'm also, uh, uh, I'm a I'm a seller of this market. Uh, as as many people uh, who know me are aware, I like to place long-term hedges to the downside. Uh, so I like to buy as we go up or like to sell, I should say, uh, the market as we go up. So if we cross 4,000, uh, I'll probably be selling way down somewhere. And, uh, Doing something of a, uh, you know, some sort of uh, put power or put spread down below. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. It was honestly
0: satisfying to hear a lot of this presentation because, so I, I, I do two things. I have uh, a portfolio of sort of longer term equity positions, which is mostly cash right now still. Um, but uh, the way that I have I have an odd calendar where I'm long into the 16th and then short into the 30th of December. And I've had that on for a couple of months, also just using Gamma, um, and yeah, it's a it's it's a satisfying feeling to know that you know you can position slower um, because you're watching these bigger moves take place. These this overall positioning that is gradual that has to build up. Um, go go to
2: slide five there, the or slide four, excuse me. Yeah. This is the uh, this is not my work. This is just you know my screen but it's borrowed from you know other thought leaders on in in the space so that red line where the call-out is is the JPM hedge there's forty four thousand five hundred short calls sitting at thirty eight thirty five why that's a big deal is they are not liquid they typically roll uh, not typically they roll every quarter this is the biggest roll of the Of the three funds, this this month, this end of month is going to be the one that that matters. the those red down arrows that you see there, uh, I think are important. and they're not important from a gamma or a delta perspective, but this is where ta really matters because the market is looking at this. There are whole you know disciplines who watch charts and they program all sorts of things based upon these patterns, and this is a very recognizable, very easy pattern. And so I think you can see that upping uptrending line that, that forms the recent lows and intersects uh, right around that 40-60 type area uh, just in a few days, actually. But you can see also that red arrow that's pointing down towards that where that callout is. It doesn't mean that we're gonna go down in a straight line to thirty-eight, thirty-five. But remember, we're in the money on short calls and it's a big delta number, right? And it's just gonna get bigger because we're in the money. So those short calls are, I, when I checked over the weekend, they were about 0.6, minus 0.6, right? And, and so times 100 times 44,500, et cetera. Now you got some real money out there, you got some real delta. And if we stay in the money, those deltas are going towards minus one which means the dealers are going towards plus one. Now, this is a quarterly expiry at the end of the month. So it's a little larger than your normal monthly expiry, but it's got a downward weight sitting at 38.35. The dealers are having to constantly sell as we go through the month. This is a boat anchor. This doesn't normally exist, but it exists this month. So we can certainly, bounce back up towards that trend line where those red down arrows are, right? That downward trending line. And there's no question that's over 4,000. We could certainly do that. I don't think we're going to get much higher than that, right? If there's not a lot of impetus to break that line and hold it for next month's earnings reports, earnings season and all that. Plus, we've got this boat anchor called JPM, I think when you start taking all these things and you start taking the deltas and knowing that you got all these call monetization possible in the SPX, et cetera, et cetera, these are just downward weights on the overall structure. This is the visibility that this type of tool, these tools can give to, to the normal trader. And so I think you form a thesis and that's, this is kind of the parting thought here. You form a thesis, You try not to tease the data or torture the data to tell you what you want to hear, but you look at it and say, the TA model is kind of range bound and it's got an upside and a downside. Okay. We got the gamma level. It's kind of telling us a couple things. We got the delta levels. They're kind of telling us a few things. Okay. I got a thesis. How do I play it? That's individual.
0: Yeah. And then you can continue to adjust that thesis as you see all of your data
2: changing. Right, it's a heck of a lot better than throwing a bunch of darts at the wall. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense.
3: I would say it's quite a bit better than that. Uh, I I don't know how many times you form a thesis, I don't know how many times I've done this, and I don't have near the knowledge or the tools that you guys have, And, and and it comes to fruition just because you did exactly what you said, was just look at the data as objective as possible, and then let the thesis kind of form itself.